Uh, Exodus chapter 13, if you will. And I, I want to read just three verses and uh, I'll ask you just to stay with me on those three. You could easily get sidetracked. So, Exodus chapter 13, and I'll read verse 3. Moses said unto the people, remember this day. That's the day you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Now, we won't go down that road, but just remember, this is the day you came out. Verse 17. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war. And returned to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. The children of Israel went up harnessed. They were armed out of the land of Egypt. Amen. And everyone said amen. So I want to talk to you today a little bit and we'll pray that the Lord will, will let me speak what he has commissioned me to say, and I pray that you'll hear the word of the Lord. Amen. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your anointing and for your help. Minister to your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to someone close by and, and give the best compliment you can think of to them. There is something about this book, this Bible. At one point, the Lord said to his people, I'm going to make everything you do fruitful. Your land, your cattle, whatever. He said, but there's a contingency here. You have to hearken to my voice and keep my statutes and my commandments, which are written in the book. 
Joshua once said, the book of the law will not depart out of my mouth. I'll meditate therein. I'll observe to do everything. And then I'll have good success. John wrote, as he related the words of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, he said, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. There's something about this book. It leads us and guides us. It does a surgery on us. It is the written voice of the omniscient God. He who was, who has no beginning, and who is described as the author and the finisher of your faith. And in the pages of this book comes the instructions for living and revelations for life. Our lives are guided through the word. It's not a self-help manuscript, but it is the best way to help yourself. It's not a dietary plan, but it will make your bones fat with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It's not just a historical reference trapped in some other dispensation in time, but it is the living truth. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the book. <laughs> Amen. I love that. God created the world and 2,000 years of human history came to a screeching halt when he called Abraham. And then the next 25 chapters will just deal with just Abraham. God gave promises to Abraham, but they are conditional promises. Even still, when lineages failed, God kept his word because of himself. God keeps his word to us, not because we did something right, but just because he's faithful. I know it's common for us to say, the Lord's blessing you because you've been, you've been living right. I, I, I'm struggling with that a little bit. <laughs> I think it's true that, that we can't be blessed if, if, if we're ignoring the word of God, but I wonder if all the blessings come just because really it's up to him. In the subsequent years after Abraham, as men failed and people violated their commitments and instructions, God allowed his people to be caught in a snare of their own making. Are you still with me now? Listen carefully because this cycle has been repeated for 6,000 years. God is good. God sends provisions. People take advantage of his provisions. Then they stray from his commandment. They turn away from the Lord. Then God releases them to their own devices. The people suffer until they cry out to God and he comes to the rescue. And the cycle starts all over again. 
when they are full of themselves and they think they have it all together, the cycle then starts all over. Many do not call on God until they're in trouble. Most people wait until their, rel- their lives resemble a modern-day soap opera, one of the series. I don't know all the names of the soap operas, so I'll make it up. As the world burns. All my addicted children. Days of our dysfunctional lives. That's what they should have been named. And when we are in trouble, then we finally seek God. That is not a compliment to us. The children of Israel were living examples of the coming and today church. They were the church in the wilderness. They spoke to us. They speak to us about us and for us. Unless we buy into the false prophets of our own modern day pulpiteers, it should be known. At least someone has to teach. God intends for you to go to a place that he has prepared. That's his intention for you to be saved. Not for you to be wealthy. Oh man, here's a big one. Not for you to be happy. I wonder how many people would like to walk out right now. God does not intend, his intention is, for not, is not for you to be happy. His intention is for you to be saved. You've been lied to. There's a bunch of false prophets walking around here telling you that God wants you to be happy. That's not in the Bible. He wants you to be saved. All right. (laughs) The purpose of the cross was not so that you could get a better car or a better house or a better job. He did not die so you could enjoy the temporal life. He came to bring you life more abundantly, but that does not translate into temporal pleasures, ladies and gentlemen. And I am concerned that our modern Christian mindset is so far removed from the day of judgment that we have spent our emotions on things that do not matter. I present to you the perplexing path of a silent God because God rarely tells us the reason for the thing. The only thing I can compute today is that God's intention is for us to go to heaven and live eternally beyond this life. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord. It was a four-century imprisonment, if you're looking in the Scripture. All of the Israelites, every one of them, had been born into captivity at this time. The Egyptian pharaohs had transitioned over the period of the decades. They went from benevolent rulers to suspicious kings until finally the entirety of Egypt despised the Hebrew people. It wasn't just their customs, but it was also the numbers which infuriated them. It was the resilience of the Hebrews that angered the Pharaoh. And God decided to make an end to their bondage. And in that exacting pattern of the Lord, He always sends a man. That's his pattern. Moses was the man. God trained him for 80 years until he was ready to lead. He was in school for 80 years until he was ready. 
And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the biblical scene, just know that God knew where they were, but disobedience was the prison that kept them. Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy has no power except what our disobedience gives the enemy. They were told not to be greedy, but they were greedy. They were told to observe the Lord and live according to the covenant of the circumcision, but they turned away from the Abrahamic covenant and turned toward convenience. All of this cost them time and suffering. Egypt was just a tool they made by their own failure to follow the word of the Lord. And I'll say it again. The enemy has no power except what our disobedience gives him. The only power that the enemy has is what disobedience we display in our lives. But through the grace of God, he raises up Moses. He gives Moses authority to perform miraculous things before the resident Pharaoh. The signs and the plagues levied against the Egyptians did more than just disrupt their comfortable lives. Those plagues gave witness to the children of Israel that their God was an awesome God. The prophecy to come was seen among them. I I like what Peter said when he quoted, I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. It was the Lord's pattern through the ages. And when Pharaoh would not relent, when all the damage that was done, though it should have set the people free if it, when it did not work because of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. God sent an angel which visited the land looking for the blood of the lamb and the absence of it. And every home that had blood applied, the angel passed over that home and only visited the homes with a judgment which did not display the blood. And in the night, the land of Egypt suffered an unparalleled judgment, which they could not dismiss. Their firstborn sons died. Homes without blood saw the visitation of judgment, both then and now. And in the morning, the lot of Egypt cried out. They gave their wealth to the Israelites, and they opened the door for their departure. But as Moses led them away from a lifetime of slavery, God decided to take them on a path which was best suited for their mentality. He did not lead them the way we might assume God should have led them. God said, hey, if they face a war or a battle, they'll lose and change their minds. So he led them to the edge of the Red Sea. Round about the wilderness, the long way, and in the light of the whole, it is now known to us that the impossible path is often the impassable path, but it is the only way that will save us. Because God is more interested in your eternal soul than your convenience. Herein lies the divide between the Creator. And the created. It is the infinite distance between us and God. He knows, ladies and gentlemen. Let me say it again. He knows. He understands. He sees. He has an eye on our future. Because he's already standing there. 
The easiest path toward Canaan, the promise, the fulfillment, God's blessing, was not the path that God led them. When they escaped, finally, after all those years full of fear and anticipation, fresh off the heels of increased torment, they are led by the guidance of Moses. Egypt is lying in ruins. They're ready to get rid of them. I'll read it. Pharaoh's officials said to him, to Pharaoh, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do not you realize Egypt is ruined? The land is wasted. The King James Bible says that it was destroyed. There is almost nothing left. Crops have been eaten by locusts. Whatever green leaf remained, the hail has crushed it. Mounds of rotting frogs and insects and the remnants of those nine plagues. Moreover, the tenth and most horrifying judgment of the bloodless homes. Death is a bitter taste. The departure cries of fathers and mothers echoing in that ruined land. Get out of here. And the children of Israel were given the treasures of Egypt, and now they're racing to get away. It's a slow journey. 600,000 men, not including women and children. The number of the whole is about as many times over, and perhaps a couple of million. This was the slave nation of Egypt, Israel, running for their life. The path to freedom looked appealing, but God did not lead them the shortest route. And it astounds me, in my own times... I see him over and over lead us in a zigzag pattern, almost never A to B. It's almost never a straight line. In fact, looking back, I have never been led according to my own predictable pattern. But when God leads, he leads me according to my ability to survive. He will not tempt me above measure. He will not put on me more than I can bear. He will not suffer me harm at the cost of my eternal soul. So instead of leading people the shortest route, God led them the long way, which encompassed also the Red Sea. So not only was it longer, but it looked like it was blocked. Let me read it again. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they will change, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. That's beautiful. Stay with me, everyone, because you're about to be underwhelmed. If you were waiting for the good part, It's already come and gone. (laughs) Can't wait for the good. It's already here. God kept them from losing a battle they could not win. He brought them to a water they could not cross. (laughs) And he does that because he wants the best for you. He kept you from failing because he knew you were not ready for the fight. That way was better. It was easier. The distance traveled was far more convenient, but the land belonged to an enemy, which were a nation of warriors, and they were loaded down. In fact, Israel were harnessed. They were armed. They had, they had equipment. They had swords. They had spears. They had shields, but they had no knowledge of how to use it. And you can tell me that God could have defeated them all by himself, but 
He wanted to prepare his people to fight in their own time. The Hittites were in the future. The Amalekites were in their future. Jericho was in their future. God could have done it all, but they would have developed into a spineless nation with no fortitude and no work. So he is not going to lay waste to every battle. Instead, he's going to lead you around the place that you cannot win. Here it is. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not. He led them not. I can tell you where he led me. What I cannot tell you is where he did not lead me. It is unknown, inexperienced reality. So you can tell me how God led you. And you can tell me where God led you. But you cannot tell me what he kept you from. Because that is a place you never knew. He kept you from things you never saw. He kept you from a battle you never fought because he knows that if you'd have fought that battle, you'd have said, this church thing's not worth it. He preserved your soul from a, from a situation you were certain to be defeated from. He covered you with, from an enemy designed to destroy your faith. He guided you past valleys from which you would have never have recovered. He removed from your path a fight that you would have never, never made it back from. He, he turned back bondage from your life because he kept you from things you never saw. He saved you from things you never experienced because he knew you could not survive that. But instead, we go the long way only to come up against something we can't get through. And they were wondering, why hasn't God spoken to me? He never told them. Listen, I'm going to bring you to the Red Sea because he's silent on some issues. Because he doesn't tell us everything he's doing. And you're asking me, what do you think the Lord thinks about that? How do I know? Go ask Miss Cleo. That's 1990s. You know, I don't know. Go to the first walk. They've got the fortune cookie. That's about as good as you're going to get. You're never going to know who's going to know. Paul said, right now we look through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Right now, you're not going to know all the situations you're going through until you get there. And when you get there, you're going to say, whoa, wow. Man, I'm so glad I didn't go that way. I would have been defeated, but the Lord brought me the right way. See, this is hard for me to describe something because you can't be thankful for something you never saw. You're just going to have to trust that the Spirit of the Lord has led you in places and he's kept you from places. We'll, we'll get to this. Because what he saved you from <laughs> is just as wonderful as what he brought you through. So the only way I can say it is, think about what the Lord has brought you through. Now there's something greater than what the Lord brought you through. It's what he saved you from. So if you think, man, I've gone through so much and he's brought me through, just, just thank God. Because what he saved you from is greater than what he brought you through. If he brought you through an incredible way, just know there's something that he saved you from. You could never have gotten there, but he did something for you. He brought you through. He saved you. He restored you. He kept you.
I haven't appealed to everyone because you don't know this because we deal with the reality that we're living. But there's a lot of realities that God has saved us from we never experienced. Mom and dad has a house. They go to a convention. They're at a conference for the week. The neighbors, while they're at work, and even in the night, there's, there's some hoodlums, young kids breaking into all the houses. They're stealing things while people are asleep. My parents are in a neighborhood, and, they're, and, they're, and all the houses are being broken into. They come back from the, from the church convention. Mom's in the yard working with her flowers. And the neighbor lady says, Rosalie, did you hear about all of our homes broken in two? She said, no, I didn't, I didn't hear that. She said, our home wasn't touched. And the lady said, of course not, because you had all those people in your house all week long. Mom said, no, we didn't have anyone in our house. She said, yes, we saw your big bay window. There's lights were on. People were walking around in the middle of the night all through your house. Of course, the robbers didn't get to your house because people were in there all night long. Mom said, there was nobody at our house. We've been at a convention all week. Go figure it out if you want. I just want you to know that God will save you from things you never experienced. The angels of the Lord encamp around about them that fear him, and they deliver them. But when we see the problem, we complain. Because we didn't know that the problem was the salvation. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I know I'm messing with your sensibilities. What they did not see was their sons and daughters slain in the land of the Philistines because it never happened. They did not see another nation taking them prisoners because they would have gone from one slave nation to another slave nation. They did not see failure. They just saw an obstacle. I know we want the shorter path. We want the easy path. But let me prophesy to you for a moment. It would have been over. But the thing you're dealing with is now in the hands of God. You can either fight for yourself on the shortest route or you can put it in the hands of the Lord and he'll make a way where there is no way. Because your problem is only the way to defeat the enemy that's behind you. I, I don't know what you're into. I don't know what you're into. But I can tell you what God is into. He's into saving you. And sometimes he has to save you from the enemy. And sometimes he has to save you from the world. And sometimes he has to save you from demonic oppression and spiritual darkness. And sometimes he has to save you from you. <laughs> but he is into saving you. He would it all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. His whole purpose for dying on the cross is to save you. He's already done and gone to the greatest length. And he keeps on doing what he has to do. Because the long route will challenge your, will, will challenge your faith, but it won't ruin you. The difficult situation may, uh, may cause you a little panic. But it won't destroy you. 
It might even cause you to question the Lord. But I want to tell everybody the Lord brought you here by his own voice. Amen. He brought you. So don't step out of his will or his word. So when you get trapped in between the enemy and the wall or the water, just know that the Lord is in the business of saving your life. Let me just tell you, if God led you this way, no matter how it looks right now, you're in the best place possible. I, I, Pastor Shock, I feel like I just got to walk through this today because I feel there's an enemy lurking around every corner to mess us up in our thinking. That somehow when we face an impossible situation, we think we did something wrong. When we didn't do anything wrong, in fact, God put us there just to show himself how great he is. And he put us there to save us from the thing that would have destroyed our faith. And we would have turned around and said, this is not for me. <laughs> he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. He's in the business of taking our messed up lives and putting it back together. He's in the category of someone, the only one, who can save you from yourself. He sees tomorrow you've not been there. He sees next week and next year. You don't know what that is, but he's been there. And he says, listen, I want to bring you this route. It's going to look a little tiring. You're going to have some trouble. But it's the best way for you to get from here to there. Uh, this is all through the scripture. Uh, Daniel spent a night in the lion's den. And it looks like in the morning... He's going to have a witness that turns the nation towards God. But it doesn't look like that to the commoner or the person who's about to enter the lion's den. Daniel was, had been praying for the nation. He was in constant prayer. If you, if you read the book of Daniel, you'll know he prayed three times a day. He was, only, he was only arrested because when they told him he couldn't pray, he opened up his windows and prayed louder. Are you ready to go to jail for worshiping the one true God, calling on the name of Jesus? I think I've turned my hat around. I'm ready. <laughs> he prayed for them. But the wise men and the magistrates and the king's court, well, they were always against him. The leaders of Persia were always against him. And they were trying to trap him. So they changed the law of the land to convict one man. Now that's called hate. But when God led Daniel to the brink of death, it became a witness for the king and for the nation. And in the morning, 
when he ought to have been consumed. Let me tell you what did not happen. It's not what happened that matters. It's what did not happen. <laughs> when the safari's most natural predator should have followed their God-given instincts and eaten Daniel for breakfast, he shut the mouth of the lion and Daniel said, they have done me no harm, not hurt, not a scratch. And in the morning... The king said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom, that which shall never not be destroyed, his dominion shall be owned to the end of the earth. This is a heathen Persian king prophesying about the kingdom of God. He delivereth, this is for us, he rescueth, he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let me just tell you right now, the thing that you're going through is the thing that will change the nation, your family, your world, your neighbors, your friends. Even your enemies are going to have to say something's different about that guy. But he's not going to take you the easiest way. Because the path of righteousness for his namesake is not always pleasant for all of us. Because you're going to have trouble. You're going to have issues. But the issues that you're having are not the issues you could have. When you heard the voice of the Lord, you did not make the wrong choice. And you heard him speak, and he did not change his mind. And you did not make a mistake, ladies and gentlemen. The issue before you is better than the losses you never knew. And I just want to stand here and tell you about the perplexity of a God that doesn't always tell me what's going on. Only through time can I look back and say that's what it was. And there are some things that we've been through that I still don't understand. All I do know is that I'm thankful for what he brought me through. And I'm thankful for things I don't even know what he did for me. When I entered this sanctuary this morning, I just want to say thank you, Lord, because you brought me through some things and you kept me from some things. I wish I could hear every voice of God. I wish I could hear every word of God. I wish I knew every thought that he's thinking. But he doesn't always tell me why he brought me the long way and put me in front of an obstacle that I could not cross without him. I apologize on the vast amount of preachers who are trying to give people an answer for which they have no answer. Because he is an infinite God. He's an omniscient God. He's an immutable God. He's an omnipresent God. And there's no way any of us can describe all about him. All I know is I've kept the law in my heart. I've kept this book. I've got this book. I'm eating this book. I'm devouring it because it is a witness. If I had people in this church stand up and testify about where God has brought them from, I want to tell you what, this place would come unglued. We don't have time for it. It would take us hours and hours. There are people in this house that was addicted to every kind of illicit drug, every kind of affliction, 
and God have set you free. If we had time, we would talk about the messed up lives and the wreck that God has saved us from. Or all of the massive healings of all types of things that God has, that he saved us, he healed our bodies. But what we cannot testify about is what the Lord kept us from that we never knew. But he did it anyway. But I got a witness in the scripture. He said, listen, I know you think you're right for battle. And you're all harnessed and you have the armor. But that's not the path I want to take. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm not going to lead you a different path. See, Moses wrote the book in retrospect. He looked back and he wrote under the unction of the Holy Spirit that gave him the words to say. But at the time, they did not know why they were going the long route. And they did not know. And when they got to the Red Sea, they turned against Moses and said, we were better off. Now we should just stone you because now we're going to die. Because they looked behind them and the billows of dust was in the air as the Egyptian army was coming down. Now they were pinned, sandwiched in the Red Sea and the approaching armies of Egypt. Boy, you get in that, you get in that straight. You want to start questioning the man of God? You'll question the doctrine. You'll question baptism and the Holy Spirit. You'll question all the functions of the church. You'll wonder why you ever returned your tithe and offerings. You'll say it didn't work for me. You get in the middle of that thing, you're going to say, hey, listen, I think this is a joke. I'm here about to die. I can't go forward and I can't go backward. So I just want you to remember this word that I'm preaching today. God put you there. So he could show himself alive. And number two, he kept you from what you thought you should do and where you thought you should go and the path you thought was better because he knew better than you. You would not survive that battle. I'm going to tell you right now, there's people in this house, you wouldn't have survived the battles. You would have died. Not, maybe not physically, but you would have died spiritually. You would have given up on God. You'd have called it all a joke. You'd have washed it away. That's right. But God kept you from that. He was silent. He didn't say it. But he kept you from that. You know why? Because he wants to save you. He might have kept you from riches. Because that money would have ruined you. Uh-oh. You're not ready to win the lottery. <laughs> You're not, you're not ready to have all that gain. Because the moment you had all that gain, you know what you do? You'd stop praying. You'd stop seeking God. You'd stop living for the Lord. You get a haughty spirit when you got that job raise, that, that raise or with that, that position. You get a big haughty spirit and get all full of yourself. And you think you did something when all, all along it was God. He'll give it to you as you're able. But he's not going to put on you more than you can bear. Now you think that that's a burden. You think he's not going to put on me all these heavy loads. The heavy load is not always to your detriment. The heavy load can be something that would lift you up beyond your capability to have a humble spirit. 
Man, I'm preaching the word today. I feel invigorated in the Holy Ghost. I want to stand before the Lord and say, I thank you where you brought me from, Lord, but there's something else in my mind today. I'm thankful that you kept me from the thing I didn't know and the thing I could not see and the battle I did not fight. I looked like I had it together. I looked like I had all the armor, but I did not know the limitations of my own ability. I want to I want to look back over my shoulder someday when the Lord gives me insight and say, "Ah, that was the reason." But by that time, it won't even matter what the reason was. Wouldn't you like to know? But when you get to glory, it won't matter. It won't make any difference. Because you'll find out that he was in the business of saving you all along. That's what he's into. He's into taking you from here to there. But it's not just going to always be easy. I can say this, the easiest path is not always the right path. The easiest thing is not always the godly thing. But if it's the godly thing, follow the godly thing. Here, pastor, today, I'm, you think I'm talking to you, but the Lord is talking to you. You think it's just me because you hear me and I have the microphone, but the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you. You're in the right place at the right time. You're on the right path. God's keeping you. He's saving you. He's restoring you. He's helping you. He's leading you. Some is going to be a clear path, and some days it's going to not. Some days it's going to be a Red Sea, and some days it's going to be a trouble. But he's in the business of saving your eternal soul because when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise first, we are going to get up. I don't know. You tell me. Felt an urge years ago to pull over. I pull over, I didn't even, this didn't feel like I should go that way. I, was, I wasn't even 100 feet from the house. I just sat there and prayed for a little while, I don't know, something odd. I thought, well, did I forget my wallet? No, I had my wallet. Did I forget my phone? No, I had my phone. Did I forget my computer? I, I know I, I have that. I was always forgetting that. I got one of those. <clears throat> there's an Apple tag. You know, you can put them on things. And, and, and it's awesome. You can find out where things are. I put one of those on my dog. <laughs> she got out one day, but I didn't know how to actually use it. So I had to find my kids so they could find their phone or get to my phone to figure out how to use. By the time, by the time that happened, uh, the HOA had already called. 
<laughs> I pulled over and just sat there for a little bit. You, you decide. I, I know what I feel, but you can decide. Put the car back in drive and went on the road. And as I was going, I looked just in front of me. All the police cars and ambulance and the cars mangled. So I just paused and turned around with the other way. In my mind, all I could think of was, what if I had not stopped for five minutes? What if the Lord hadn't said, okay, today I'm going to make you wait right here. I don't want to go too deep into the woods, but all I can tell you is that I feel like the Lord saved me from experience that moment. I pray for all the people that went through that, whatever happened there. I pray, oh, Jesus' name. But just for my sake, I just want to say, that's where I was heading. And the Lord paused me for five minutes, and I checked my pockets, looked in the back seat, went around the wrong, went around another way. I looked, and there's all those cars. When I came back that way, they were still picking up the metal from, from the side of the road. I don't know. All I know is that God saves us from things that he knew would destroy us. He's kept us. He's brought you all this way because he loves you. Amen. So don't try to figure it out and don't think that God is ignoring you. He's just not going to tell you every reason for every action that he takes. Amen. Now, one thing I know, I'm not going to empower the enemy through my disobedience. I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to keep his covenant and his commandment. And the Lord's going to lead me every day. Jesus, I pray right now for the people. We are your people, Lord. We're the sheep of your pasture. You lead us, Lord, and guide us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do your mighty work in our lives. We're going to thank you today, Lord, for things we have no knowledge of. We're going to thank you today for keeping us. Not keeping us in our moment of trouble, but keeping us from things we never knew. And we're just going to have to trust, Lord, that your, your way has always been the same. I want all of us to stand together and lift up our hands in surrender to God. Surrender. Look. Surrender. I surrender my mind, all the logical things that I think. Come on, I surrender the questions of my life. I surrender all the questions. I surrender my doubt to you. I surrender all the bewilderment, Lord. And now, come on, tell him, now I trust you, Lord, that you're leading me. You're leading me. You're leading me. That's right. You're leading me. You've led me here. Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, in this congregation, if you feel like you just want to express that gratitude to God, and if you know that you need the Lord, if there's something in your life that you know you need God to help you with, He's here. He's in the business of saving you. He's in the business of restoring you. I want to open up this altar. Just walk out of your seat and just come and just lift up your voice to God one more time and say, oh God, I need you, Lord, in my life. I need you, Lord. 
Somebody might just need to thank him. You're thanking him for what the Lord's brought you through, but you also need to say, I thank you, Lord, for what you've kept me from. I don't even know. I have so little evidence of it, Lord, but I know your heart. I know your heart, and I know your way. That's right. That's right. You're doing it. Come on, out of your mouth now. Use your voice. Use your own voice. Let it come from down deep. Lord, I've got to thank you, Lord. I don't always hear what you're telling, saying. You don't always speak everything, Lord, but I've come to trust you, Lord, that I know you've got my life in your hands now.